Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. It's Friday. Tonight, we're talking about why Black Lives Matter is facing yet another investigation. And guess which celebrity is ready to go to war? Get ready for another round of the political and trending highlights of the week. Please welcome my Friday co-host, activist and radio personality, Dominique DePrima. Hey, Tammy. Political analyst, Ed Sanders. Tammy, good to see you. Comedian and filmmaker, Alicia Cooper. Hey, Tammy and the president and founder of Oleka Management Consulting, Dr. O.J. Oleka. Let's get started uh, with the business of being Black. Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock has agreed to debate his opponent, former NFL player and Heisman Trophy winner Herschel Walker on his turf. Warnock has two conditions, one that Walker accept the debate without being given the questions beforehand, and two, that Walker agrees to a debate in either Macon or Atlanta the following month. Does Walker have more to lose than gain by agreeing to debate Warnock on television? Anybody? I'll jump in. I mean, it, it's, it, it would be political theater. I think what you're seeing in, in Georgia is the, 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 the polls are tightening. Uh, uh, the opinion polls are, are showing that uh, uh, Walker is closing in, in some instances a slight lead over Warnock. Um, you know, look, this I think most people in Georgia have their minds made up. Uh, you know, I don't see that there is uh, an undecided that can decide between, you know, Warnock and Walker. There is there is polar opposites. Uh, I imagine that, you know, the the conditions there are, are funny. Right. I, I'm sure that Herschel Walker wants to get the questions ahead of time. Um, we've seen him on the stump. This has everything to do with the Republican Party's uh, choice of candidates. Right. We've been talking about candidate quality across this this country. And, and Herschel is probably the worst of them out there. Dominique. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I somewhat object to the framing of that question, because during the primary, Uh, Herschel Walker was the one that dodged debates with everybody and he got through to the general election. And now to frame it as if Warnock's been dodging him isn't quite uh, genuine. I think that it is um, it makes sense that Warnock now would say, hey, you know, I these are the ground rules because Walker has been dodging debates with him until it got to the point where, as Ed rightly mentions, the race is tightening up. And I also think that, you know, questions or no questions, a debate with Herschel Walker is a thing of beauty. (laughs) Alicia? I agree. It's definitely going to be a thing of beauty. And um, yeah, I mean, Herschel Walker, whenever he starts talking, there's some weird word salad. And he, I understand why he was dodging debates. He needs to keep figuring out how to dodge them because it's not going to look well for him or end well for him. He doesn't even answer the question being asked to him. 
So it's, it, I'm going to tune in, though, if there is a debate. I will tune in. I think everyone will be tuning in. Dr. Oleka, will you? Uh, I think you all are seriously underestimating Herschel Walker as a candidate, especially considering uh, the fact that he's coachable. Look, he came up here to Kentucky for a fundraiser. Obviously, Leader McConnell has a vested interest in seeing Republican nominees win. Uh, people who were there said that he was very strong on the stump, that he was asked questions uh, that were pretty pointed and he answered them well. Uh, people obviously talk about uh, how he was as a candidate during the primary. What I'm told is that he has improved significantly. He has changed his team. Uh, as was pointed out, the polls are tightening. And the way that this typically works in Georgia is that Democrats have a big lead in the summer that after Labor Day, Republicans start to tick up. So the fact that he's doing as well as he's doing now uh, and Warnock is finally agreeing to debates shows you that the Warnock people are scared. I think that Herschel Walker has a great chance to win this race. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by the outcome come November. Honestly, Oleka, you want him to win this race? Really? You That's stunning. So, I mean, look, I think the people of Georgia are going to have to make a decision. And I think that the American people would benefit Not just from having Republicans in charge of the United States Senate. What the Democrats are doing, what Joe Biden has done in terms of inflation with regard to some of this, uh, these other policies, I think that Republicans would do a good job in stopping some of the worst impulses of the Biden administration. Uh, and Georgia could be uh, the state that makes that call. Dodges questions, pivots to talking points. Got it. To me or Raphael Warnock? You. Uh, Congressman Oleka, you. <laughs> Black Lives Matter Grassroots is suing Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation executive for allegedly stealing $10 million in donations. Now, Dominique, we've talked about this often, and you have often reminded people or even shared with people for the first time the knowledge that there is a clear cut difference between Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Go Global Network. So what does this mean for the branding of Black Lives Matter as a whole? Well, two things. Number one, uh, the, the T said Black Lives Matter faces another investigation. What does that really mean? This is um, Black Lives Matter, the people who started it, the people who do the protests, the people that show up at funerals, at courthouses, at, 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 at um, legislative sessions. The, those people are suing the people that are controlling the foundation, which is the money arm, which has been taken over by consultants. Black Lives Matter locked out of its own social media platforms. They're suing to get their platforms back. They are suing to get the money that people donated in good faith back. And they are suing for the soul of Black Lives Matter to get their good name back. So a consultant, this Bowers dude, who was never uh, an activist within Black Lives Matter went to his first protest in the last year or so, um, has now taken over. It happened during the transition. He seized control of the board. He was became the sole board member for a while and then appointed a couple of his friends as board members. And they are now the three-person board. So it's, it's not like this is some outside investigation. This is a battle for the soul of Black Lives Matter. It's the people of conscience within the organization standing up and saying, we want to make sure that we are transparent and that we um, allow the people to have their will done, whether it's those the communication on those social media platforms or the use of those dollars. Alicia, what will this mean for the brand? 
I mean, it all sounds bad because people don't know the difference. They hear Black Lives Matter and they just run with it. Oh, this is a fraudulent com uh, company. Oh, um, $10 million is missing. Oh, we should have never donated and not realizing that there's a difference between the two. And um, that's, to me, the biggest problem. You know, and I don't even understand why somebody would try to steal in the computer age, technology age. You're going to get caught. And that's exactly what, what happened here. And when you get caught, you're going to make the whole Black Lives Matter brand look bad. And that's But what's it's happening. not a brand. It's a movement. I mean, you guys talk about it like it's Nestle's or Coca-Cola. This is the struggle against racism and state-sponsored violence. It's not a brand. And if you look at the Pew Research, people know that. It is the most trusted organization to help black people overcome anti-blackness and state-sponsored violence that's what makes it a that's what makes it a brand and I, I think the bigger issue here is that you know as a country charitable giving is is key to what we do right we give money to causes uh, to try to help um and we give to trusted brands and i think where where the issue is is that you know blm and this will be some theater i mean but but the where we give is a critical issue you know, and let's just take a look at the Red Cross. You say the Red Cross, and when there's disasters, we all feel comfortable giving to the Red Cross. That brand is trusted, and but people by do. By who, Ed? By who? But look, they raised 500. What I'm about to point out is that after the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, they raised $500 million to help Haitians. But when you start talking to Haitians about where the $500 million went, there's questions raised. You can talk to a former prime minister and they tell you that the money didn't get there. The issue of branding has everything to do with how people give. And for Black Lives Matters, while this will be you know, a bit of a news story, protecting that brand so that the movement that, that you're referencing continues to be able to raise money is important. That's why this is, this is a sad story. Oleka, Dr. Oleka. I think by and large, this doesn't do a whole lot to change the brand because outside of Dominique and some activists on the left, the brand isn't any good. The foundation has been corrupt for years. We've had these conversations over and over and over again. How many scandals is it going to take for corporations, for the American people to realize that this brand is bad, this foundation is bad? Are there people who actively care about the issue of making sure that black people are treated equally? Sure, but there are a number of different local organizations that you could give to that you do trust a number of different churches you could give to that you do trust, a number of different corporate foundations you could give to that you do trust. The fact of the matter is, Black Lives Matter as a foundation, despite the good work that Dominique is trying to say with regard to some other people on the ground, has a bad brand, and it has a bad brand for good reason. Some of the things that this foundation has been associated with have been terrible, and there's nothing that anybody can do about that except for the people that did are on expect, the board. But did we expect Dr. Oleka to say anything else ever, no matter what they did? And the fact of the matter is the Global Network Foundation has only been around for a couple of years. Black Lives Matter has been around since 2013. Do you know who Andrew Joseph III is? He's finally, him and his family finally getting their day in court on Monday, trying to end qualified immunity, trying to get justice for this 14-year-old boy who was taken, abandoned by the side of the road and then killed due to police negligence in Tampa. It took them eight years to get their day in court. With the help of Black Lives Matter, they're there. The people that don't trust the brand are the politicians and the media. The regular people, regular Black people, know that the work continues to be done. They had a founder of the organization who bought several houses. They now have somebody who is stealing from the foundation. Dominique, what did you say to me earlier? Talking points. 
You no, it's the not talking points. Talking. Uh, Shalomia Bowers is a consultant. So let me let me ask. The reason we know to... about the theft is because it was reported on the nine nineties. Let me ask this to Dr. Oleka, only because you mentioned uh, uh, about the brand being destroyed or, or you know destroyed. Um, Ed talked about the Red Cross and how it received five hundred million dollars, and it too didn't do what it was supposed to do with those funds. Why does Black Lives Matter get harsher treatment than that of the Red Cross? You think? Well, I think Dominique brought it up before. If the foundation's been around for two years, it requires a bit more scrutiny than an organization that's been around for a long time. It's one thing to have some concern about a foundation that's been around two years, an organization, or at least a a movement, as Dominique calls it, that's been around less than 10 years. And the Red Cross, which has been a stable foundational brand, at least in the United States, for significantly longer. It just takes more, more and more questions for an organization. A that stable foundational brand that uses a huge amount of money on administrative costs. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black today are the political and trending topics of the week. Let's go. Students at a high school in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, were greeted by a number of students passing out white privilege cards in school hallways. The cards read white privilege trumps everything. Member since birth, good through death. Card holder, Scott free. Oh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, one student said he was handed a card and called a racial slur. About 40 teens staged a peaceful walkout in protest of the cards. The school superintendent announced that the students involved would be reprimanded, but they did not specify what the punishment would entail. Does this mean that those white privilege cards are working, Dr. Oleka? <laughs> well, I think what is important to note about the story is that there are a number of students who walked out, which shows that this was not a uniformly accepted thing within the school. The superintendent did come out and publicly say that they were going to reprimand the kids. The difficult thing here is that this is a public school. It all depends on what is in the code of conduct. To pass out a car like this, as stupid as it is, quite frankly, and as ignorant as it is, it still is protected under free speech. So for uh, a perspective, you're able to do these things. Now, again, it was clear that everybody involved didn't like it, that kids were not for it. And so they walked out and the superintendent did something. Uh, but I think that there's more to be done. This actually has been going on for a while. I saw a story about this uh, in February. So I don't know if it's just become popular or what, but hopefully uh, kids will be able to figure out a way to not do this and superintendents across the country uh, will stamp this kind of thing out. Or maybe they'll enter it into the code of conduct that you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, Dominique? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think if they call you the N-word while handing you the card, that may go beyond the limits of freedom of speech over to bullying, um, harassment. The other thing that's ironic to me about this is that most white supremacists or um, oh. racism deniers say that there's no such thing as white privilege. They try to act like this is just more of us whining rather than acknowledging the systemic privilege that's baked into our penal system, our education system, and our financial institutions. So the fact that they're handing out white privilege cards and acknowledging their own privilege, and at the same time using it as a club to try to denigrate people of color is ironic, by, beyond ironic, and shows you the kind of really dumb rhetoric that comes with the Trump era, if you will. Yeah, yeah I think I was taking, you know, I mean, this is Oklahoma, right? And and they've banned critical race theory and, and you know, they seem to 
to really not want to dive into issues of race. Uh, this school, this neighborhood is just a stone's throw from Tulsa, right? And we're just over 100 years from the, the Tulsa massacre, which, you know, for uh, African-American families in the region is, is an enduring history. Um, what, what I caught interesting is that, you know, and I looked at the high school, Charles Page, I looked to see who Charles Page was. Um, he was an Oklahoman that, that made money in oil, but after that Tulsa massacre, opened up his homes and orphanages to African-Americans that needed places to stay. So it ends up really being ironic at a high school for a, a philanthropist that was helping people uh, displaced and, and dealing with the massacre that, um, you know, that, that students at his school are doing something so, so insidious. Yeah, Alicia, go for it. Yeah, and when I thought about this, the first thing I thought about was this is obviously starting in the home. You know, for you to feel protected enough to go out in public with your white privilege card, to me, that sounds like your parents are teaching you about uh, uh, white privilege and, and watching a lot of Fox News and sounding like these people that when you see the kids, you already know what's being taught in the household. I don't think a kid would do this if they weren't supported back at home. And um, I just uh, a white privilege card. What kind of is this supposed to be funny? And then you hand it to somebody, call them a racial slur. First of all, I want to know what the racial slur is. I hate when people say a racial slur. If you're bold enough to say it, we should be bold enough to be able to hear what the slur was. I, I don't want to uh, guess what the slur was. I want to know exactly what was said. And these kids need to be punished to the fullest extent. You need to send a message to the others and make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, I just I don't even understand the point of this whole thing. Yeah, it does seem, Dr. O'Laker, you said um, that if it's not in the code of conduct, it, you know, borderline, you know, crossing over our amendment rights. But it it does seem to be a form of bullying. If there is a white privilege card and you are of another eth ethnicity, that seems to be a, tact, a, a bullying tactic to me, No. Well, I mean, this is the challenging thing about bullying. And, I, and I'm saying this as the perspective of somebody who taught in a school. Somebody can say, well, I was bullied. The same exact action can happen to another student. They say, oh, I don't think it's a big deal. And then someone else can say, oh, yeah, actually, I like the, the tit for tat, the back and forth. That, that sounds silly to say when talking about an instance with regard to a right, white privilege card. But just because one student is impacted by it in a really negative way it doesn't mean another student is it doesn't mean the other student cares at all so it, it could be bullying sure but to somebody else it might not be and this is what gets difficult quite frankly with kids is that yeah okay I, well i mean this is the reality you have a conversation with a friend of yours you all make a joke you think it's funny and then you decide to go to school with that joke and turn out 40 kids don't think it's funny at all and they walk out on you and then you get suspended. So it's one of those things where- But yes, if it's it a racist bad, joke, you know, you, 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 if, if you have any common sense or home training, and to your point, I remember, you know, my kid was in an elite institution when, uh, when Trump was elected, the environment changed. Uh, there were kids that would come up and rap, rap songs in front of them just so they can say the N-word. People were emboldened and they were bringing what they learned from their parents to the school campuses. And, you know, we, we can say bullying is relative, but hate crimes really aren't. Yeah, but this, this isn't a hate crime, Dominique. If you hand somebody a card that says white privilege, that's and not a hate crime. call them the N-word? We don't know what they call them. Again, to, to uh, Alicia's point, I think it would be important to know, but we don't know what they call them. And, I, and this is, I think this is part of the challenge that happens now, is that we create the worst possible scenarios in our heads. And we all agree the worst scenarios would be bad. 
But then if we find out that it was something else, then all of a sudden the proper level of repercussions aren't taken because it wasn't as bad as we thought. So like so putting, like, like when they okay. put the, the, the white cotton balls in the, the baseball players, the little league's players yeah. hair, we another all thought it was one thing and it turned out to be another. Right. But this one is really more specific, right? This is really an organizing tool for white students on the campus, right? It, it says white privilege. So they're handing it out. So any student that gets it, if you're white, you're, you're, you're being organized into a group that now believes that it's, it has privilege. And presumably it's going to exert that privilege on the others. That's why this is a concern. It's not a, it, even if you think it's a joke, it isn't because what it is doing. Yes, and, and no one's defending it. I want to make sure that that's clear. I'm not defending the actions. I'm saying whether or not the school has the type of authority that is being suggested here to do things that maybe they don't have the authority to do. What I'm saying is from a school perspective, somebody who has been a classroom teacher, it is not as simple or as easy to reprimand kids when they do something that is obviously the wrong thing to do. It is because we see black students getting suspended for far less every day across this country. And again, you know, we, we agree that they shouldn't be being suspended for far less. They should be getting the equal proper treatment, which is maybe a talking to, maybe a warning, maybe a call home. And that's, again, my point with this is that consistency is important. And we need to look and see what the code of conduct says. Now, I realize that's not the exciting or sexy thing to say, but we don't like it when black kids are mistreated in ways that they shouldn't be. And so we should be looking at these things equally, regardless of who does it. Again, I'm not absolutely. That at all. But there's no racial slur that's acceptable that goes with that. If they call them the racial slur for Jewish or the racial slur for Mexican or the racial slur for Asian Americans, none of them should be acceptable. And all of them should be considering bullied at the least and hate crime at the most. Well, there you have it. Bank of America is launching a mortgage program in which minority borrowers in five U.S. cities would have zero money down and no closing costs. Uh, the program is geared towards first-time home buyers in Los Angeles, Detroit, Miami, Dallas, Charlotte. Uh, credit worthiness will not be determined by credit score, but instead factors like history of timely payment of rent, insurance, and utility bills will be the deciding factors. I want to talk about this. I, I do believe um, from reading this, there's also no PMI in, uh, uh, that is attached to these mortgages either. So let's talk about that when we return on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. Bank of America is launching a mortgage program in which minority borrowers in five U.S. cities would um, would have zero money down, no closing costs, no PMI. The program is geared towards first-time home buyers in Los Angeles, Detroit, Miami, um, Dallas, and Charlotte. Credit, work, credit worthiness uh, will not be determined by credit score, but instead factors like history of timely payment of rent, uh, insurance, utility bills. On the surface, this sounds good, right, Alicia? Yeah, they ain't saying anything about a job, but it definitely sounds good. And if you're in one of the five cities, hey, uh, it, it sounds like some form of reparations that we finally deserve and can use and can really be a big help, especially in Los Angeles where the uh, market has just gone crazy. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Bank of America is doing something. I have know? to say, I'm not a fan of this, Alicia, but go ahead, Ed. I, look, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to it, right? I, from a banking perspective, um, you want to try to find ways to get money into communities that that need access to capital. Um, and for a long time, credit scores and and other criteria uh, have have 
you know, hindered that process. And so I, I commend them for trying to think outside of the box because there's definitely that, right? And, and but ultimately I, I worry about sort of the cost of the loan. You know, Los Angeles's real estate market is, is sky high. And so, you know, if you're stepping in without a down payment on on a, on a relative- $600,000 home. Yeah, oh, that's, that's problematic. Not in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's not in Los Angeles. I mean, you're, you're, you're north of a million easily. Um, that's a lot of money to pay back over time. So, I mean, you know, it, in the end game, you just, you have to look and the bank has to look to evaluate how those criteria work. Ed? Ed? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Ed, Dr. Oleka? Uh, well, Tammy, I agree with you. I think this is your conservative side coming out. This is a terrible policy for a number of different reasons. One, uh, as was already pointed out, uh, if if you don't put any money down, you don't have to pay any or, or PMI, and there's no check on your uh, credit score, then how do we know, aside from that you've made payments, that you can even afford the home that you're buying? You're going to just go into debt to buy a million-dollar home? Let's not forget Bank of America was one of the banks that regularly refused to stop people from having to pay with overdraft fees. This is not a bank that has been historically known to want to help people out and to support them. So all of a sudden, you're going to lock somebody in, a person of color, in this instance, for 30 years because you want to get more money out of them. I simply don't trust that. And secondly, if Bank of America is actively saying we will only provide this resource to you based on your race, that is a racist policy. The Civil Rights Act 1964 told us pretty clearly that we couldn't do this. So I don't think this is good policy at all. I don't think it's good for the bank. It's certainly not good financial literacy opportunities for families and people who are buying homes that they never have before. Uh, this is the wrong way to go. I want to make it clear. It is around. not the loan is not specifically for blacks or minorities. Right. The loan is for the, the those uh, underserved areas. But even if it was, that doesn't make it racist. It makes us it makes an affirmative action. Love the way Dr. Oleka just painted all corrective actions and reparations and uh, affirmative action is racist. No, it's just something Republicans don't like. Um, the thing about it is I do see the pros and cons. What would make this workable is if we could get some affordable housing stock in California, which we can if we act aggressively. So the thing about it, there's nothing inherently wrong with finding different criteria to determine someone's reliability. If you have been paying your utility bills on time, your rent on time, you're a hardworking person who maybe doesn't have any credit at all, which is many times that is the problem. It's not that people have bad credit, they have no credit. This can open a door and give someone an opportunity for home ownership. If you live in LA, you're going to be paying a crap ton anyway, even if you're renting. So you might as well be paying all that exorbitant rent towards an exorbitant mortgage and at least getting some kind of equity out of it. That said, I think, you know, yeah, we all agree that, you know, who wants to be saddled with a million dollar home for a really a $200,000 worth of house? That's a different problem, though. And I think what I would say is if you can take advantage of this and you can work with financial advisors to make sure there's no hidden uh, fees, um, you know, exorbitant interest rates, because there's no bank in America that doesn't try to exploit uh, poor people and people of color. That's just built into our system unless you're going to a black owned bank. So yeah, get some financial advice, but this may be a way in for some folks and I don't think they should rule it out if it works 
to their advantage. I don't think anyone should rule it out either, Dominique, but to your point on the exploitation of it all, I am concerned about the interest rates that they place on these loans. And I think more for me, what I'm concerned about is the banks owning our areas and our community. I mean, when the housing market hit, a lot of people were foreclosed because they weren't checking people's um, uh, debt to income ratio and, and, and not knowing whether they were uh, these homes were affordable and whether people could maintain these payments. Turned out people couldn't maintain the payments because the, the interest was adjustable rate. Uh, they were giving out these adjustable rate mortgages. So plenty of people began to lose their homes five years in. So my concern is that people will start to lose their homes five year, years in, and then the banks will now own our communities because this is where you have to purchase a home in our communities in order to be applicable to the loan. Right. But right now, these big real estate, um, you know, wheeler dealers on Wall Street are buying up the community. So that six of one half dozen of another. And part of the reason so many people lost their house. Yes, the adjustable mortgages, uh, predatory lending, but also people lost their jobs. It was the Great Recession and folks were broke. Yeah. And we we would hate for that to happen again. Tammy, you, you bring up a good point, though, because the other thing to consider is that if you have interest rates or you have money down or different factors uh, that lower the the market, if you will, for people trying to buy a house, you take all those things away. All of a sudden, a bunch of people are going to be putting in offers for homes. So how exactly do you keep that price down of a million dollar home? If everyone says, well, I want to buy it. I want to buy it. I'll get out a bigger loan because I don't have to put anything down. The bank has told me. Well, I but I'm sure that there is some type of. I mean, you still have to be able to afford the home. I'm I'm assuming that I'm assuming that if your income does not is not, you know, enough that like they're still going to check your income. The Bank of America don't suggest that they're not going to let me buy J-Lo's house. Right. No matter how many times I pay my utility bill. (laughs) Sorry. Your point on this, it really comes down. Listen, I can't even buy buy, uh, Ray J's house. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Go ahead, Ed. I was gonna say, like, ultimately, this is a program that the bank is putting forward, right? And so you want to evaluate it. And one of the evaluations that you got to look at is how they deal with distressed loans, right? And so I think all of us have expressed a concern around anyone that gets in trouble around their loan. You know, if I'm Bank of America and I've got this program, I'm going to be willing to work with people that have borrowed under this program. I'm not going to go right to foreclosure, but we got to look and see how that turns out. Let's talk about this. I'm going to listen. Let's let's do some fluff stuff right now. North Carolina pastor is facing backlash after condemning men with long hair. I'm not sure (laughs) if that applies to you, Dr. Oleka, or not. Um, Doesn't look like you could get it in a bun. But uh, Ed, you're definitely not a part of this conversation. Let's take a look at the clip. Why are you a man and you tie your hair up in a bun? Men don't walk around with buns on their head. And the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. I don't know where to start. Is it a shame for a man to have long hair, Alicia? First of all, we don't even know what he considers long. I guess the bun is long. The bun and is our barometer. The bun is the barometer. And it just seems like now all these pastors are doing and saying anything to go viral. They saw the man telling everybody, buy me a watch. And they got inspired. So, um, and then you hear the hollering and hooting in the background, like who are the parishioners? Like, <laughs> so they getting too much encouragement in the church and they're still going forward. I mean, we have bigger issues to, to deal with than who has a man bun 
and immerse. <laughs> so I'm like, these they got too much free time. Go sit down somewhere. Yeah, work. yeah. We definitely have too much time, too much, yeah. too many other things to do than the, than than to uh condemn Colin Kaepernick for sure. <laughs> and the picture of Jesus that they love to put in the forefront. Isn't this you know, Ooh, and they, they're not you better for, shut up, girl. They're not come for Jason Momoa. <laughs> well, I think I think this pastor led Jason Momoa to cut his hair because <laughs> Jason Momoa cut it all off, honey. So he heard the pastor speaking. Dominique, Alicia said they're getting too much encouragement in the church. I, I think it's just silliness. Uh, you know, all the pictures we see of white Jesus, he does have long hair. I haven't seen him with a man bun. But, you know, it's just... I think in the movie, he has a man bun. Really? <laughs> One of those <laughs> movies. It's buffoonery. I mean, <laughs> this is what is at your spiritual core. Give me a break. Whatever happened to character? <laughs> <laughs> Can't you... Obviously, no good character with, with a man bun, Ed. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hoping that Brandy was having a light moment up on, the, up on the sermon. Otherwise, I don't know what to say, man. He's just He's trying to sell some snake oil. I'm with Alicia on this. These pastors and bishops and ministers and reverends are looking for major clout, like they want to be rappers. Dr. Oleka? That's a shame if that's what they're trying to be. I mean, I don't I don't know any scripture that references the man bun specifically. Maybe that's in, I don't know, the... the Hold that thought. I'm going to go to commercial on the man bun and a photo of Jesus. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And Jackson, Mississippi, a predominantly black city, is going on two weeks without clean drinking water. And although the water pressure is back to normal levels, a boil water advisory is still in effect. And now uh, Baltimore, Maryland, a city with 62% black population is experiencing water contamination in their water supply. According to ABC News, E. coli samples were found in some areas of West Baltimore affecting more than 1,500 people. What are your thoughts on this water crisis continuously plaguing black communities? And should residents have to pay their water bills when they don't have access to clean water? I think they just found some E. coli sampling in uh water in in the water in los los angeles too um alicia yeah i mean no they absolutely should not have to pay a water bill for contaminated water and why is water always getting contaminated in the black areas this feels really shady you know i just i i can't i hate stories like this because it affects the bloodstream it affects generations of families it has bigger consequences than just somebody's having bad water they said in certain parts even boiling it won't make it any better. So that's some serious contamination where you can't even boil it out. And uh, there, there needs to be lawsuits uh, too, because that's the only way people understand is to hit them in the pockets. And this yeah. is serious. Yeah, and it always baffles me that we live in the richest country in the world. And you know we're based off of capitalism and we have so much money and so many resources in America. How dare our water be dirty anywhere in this country, Dr. Oleka? Well, I mean, you said it, this isn't capitalism though. This is government. This is local government. This is Baltimore. This is a city in Mississippi. This was in Flint, Michigan. This was in a small community in, in Eastern Kentucky in Martin County. This is local government. And this is an issue that is plaguing the country in a number of different ways. People are losing faith in their institutions because you are supposed to be able to get your water in this country and be able to drink it. 
You're supposed to be able to get your water in this country and be able to take a shower without having the fear that if you open your mouth that you will get sick. You should be able to eat from it, drink from it, and use it to make your life better. And it is a significant problem. If in these United States we have local governments who cannot figure out how to run their operations well enough to keep people safe. You certainly need to do audits, need to figure out exactly where the issues are. People need to be fired, prosecuted, and the whole lot needs to be thrown out. And we need new people in charge of our institutions so that people can have faith in them again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I oftentimes think, though, yes, it's local government, but we all are still Americans and it is an American problem, uh, regardless of what city we're in. It's not just local governments, right? Like this is a business. There are water suppliers that that supply waters to water districts. Um, so you've got business, and it's highly regulated. So you've also got the politics involved here. Um, and you know, I think what we've all sort of acknowledged is that we've got expectations about the water, right? But how many people actually study what, who gives you water, where your water is delivered from? Your assumption is that that the water is is clean. On the West Coast, we're seeing a drought that, that's plaguing the Western United States, and so the resource of water is starting to dry up. And you know, if if in Jackson, Mississippi, the water uh, isn't safe because of uh, the, the the flooding. On the West Coast, what you're seeing is that communities of color are actually being served water that 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 is not as safe as uh, as some of the other neighborhoods. Um, and it and it is a conversation around politics, but it's more around business as well. And as consumers, we need to pay more attention to that. Yeah, but I think the businesses are tied into the politicians, which makes it all one big bag of bull. It, that's the point. And that's the point. I mean, as, as much as we pay attention to Congress, as much as we pay attention to our local city council member or school board member, pay attention to who is on your water board and how you receive water in your home. Um, it's the one natural resource that you know you need, right? You know, as, as you need to turn and bathe, you need to be be able to cook with food um, and, and you should find ways to secure your water. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid uh, living in Houston, Texas, we go to Galveston all of the time to go to the beach and enjoy the beach a day in the sun. And we get into the water. Now, mind you, back when I was a kid, the water wasn't that clean either. But the water is to this day, um, the water you can't even get in it. It's so nasty and dirty and contaminated. And I was at the beach here in Los Angeles recently and I thought, oh, wow, this water is beginning to look like the water in Galveston, Texas. So... There are definitely some things that we need to do um, to preserve our natural resources and protect them more often than we do. And I think businesses tend to override it because messing and tallying and making profit off of our natural resources has become what America is all about. And so they could care less about it. Dominique. You're hitting it right on the nail. I mean, when you when you start to look at this, we, we dealt with this um, as soon as Trump was elected. You'll remember Scott Pruitt was made uh, the, the administrator over the EPA. And one of the first things they did was roll back all of those regulations. Remember, it was like, yeah. we want we want business to run run roughshod. And so now we're starting to pick through exactly what's happened. And you're starting to see even uh, 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 in our rivers and, and oceans, uh, levels of contaminations that weren't there four years ago. Donald My Trump question is, the rivers. It... that's your that's your point of a commentary here. Donald Trump destroyed the rivers. Donald Trump destroyed the oceans. What about the Democrats who run these cities who've been running them for decades? You act what like you all of a sudden Donald Trump comes in the office and the water in Baltimore has gone bad. Donald Trump comes in the office, the water in Jackson, Mississippi has gone bad. What about the local Democrats who run these towns full of black people 
and all of a sudden the water goes bad and we say, oh, it must have been Trump, must have been business. What about these local elected officials who are just fine sitting by allowing black people to eat, drink contaminated water? They don't have any issues to deal with here. Those are the people we need to be pointing our fingers at, not some mythical boogeyman who hasn't been in office in years, not Scott mm -hmm. Pruitt who hasn't been in charge in the EPA for years. It is these local elected officials Democrats who are responsible for these issues. The passion has got me hot and bothered, Dr. Oleka. The passion has got me hot and bothered. I have to agree with Dr. Oleka a little bit here because the water in Flint went bad long before Trump became president. Go ahead, Dominique. Well, yeah, but that was a beautiful delivery of a talking point, which is always blame the local Democrats, especially someone like Chokwe Antar Lumumba, the mayor there in Jackson, who's done a tremendous job for black people, who has made uh, Jackson the only big city in America where you see the black population increasing rather than being gentrified away. So, but that said, I agree. It's not just on Trump. Yes, he did deregulate everything and the FDA, and that doesn't, that damage just doesn't go away overnight. But the fact is the federal government and in turn those state governments that need to fund those local governments, whether they're being led by Democrats or Republicans, have been neglecting the infrastructure for years. The electrical infrastructure and the water infrastructure being the two most critical, as we saw in Texas last year, hopefully President Biden's um, semi-bipartisan infrastructure bill will deal with some of this because the water uh, situation in Jackson, part of the reason that it's been so neglected is because once white flight happens in these big cities, then they're left with majority black populations. The investment is not made from the federal or state level to shore up this infrastructure. And those mayors, those local officials, those Democrats in your talking point can only do so much without the resources that are needed, the same federal resources that flow freely into wealthier and more white communities. Speaking of Mississippi and Maryland, they both have Republican governors. So how do we feel about that, Dr. Oleka? Well, again, this is a local issue. I realize that Dominique is going to try to point to the federal government and to state governments, but this is how local politics work. You have a local sewer system, you have a city manager, you have people who are responsible in these local communities to say, here are our issues. If they don't do anything about it, what are you supposed to do? Also, as was pointed out, if this is supposed to be an issue with governments across the board, the feds are going to be responsible, as Dominique has pointed out, for bringing down money. Who controls the federal government these days? The Democrats. So you cannot squeeze really? a state <laughs> governor without at all saying that locals are responsible. And you cannot point to the federal government with Scott Pruitt and Donald Trump, who hadn't been in charge since 2018, and not say, well, what about Joe Biden, his EPA administrator? What Donald about Trump Congress and the Democrats you know, I think the point was that, that that big business had run amok, and that's why we were talking about the EPA. Now, if you want to focus on local issues, sure, you highlighted a couple cities, but the vast majority of African Americans live in cities that that are maybe rural in the South that 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 are in those states that are controlled by Republicans, and they make policies that impact our communities. It's not just a local; it's a local, state, and federal problem. Let's Which take a quick break, and we'll be right back to finish business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Yay, yee, yee, what, yeezy. 
Kanye West is at war against Adidas and its senior vice president, Daniel Cherry. The 44-year-old music mogul and founder of Yeezy took to Instagram to accuse the company of selling knockoff Yeezys, and he claims they tried to buy him out for $1 billion. Ye believes Adidas is trying to push him out. Before he posts, he released messages allegedly between him and a strange wife, Kim Kardashian, discussing their children's education, confessing to having a porn addiction, and calling Tristan Thompson and Travis Scott sperm donors only sperm is not the word he used i might add um and i think he was also referring to himself when he did that though uh switch beats and diddy stand with ye and his attacks against adidas and the war against culture vultures now i'm not sure if this even applies now because since uh, queen elizabeth has died uh, kanye west says he's forgiven everybody and has no ill will towards anyone at this particular time um citing his feelings of the queen passing away so what are your thoughts about this adidas situation dominique well i mean look yay is clearly one of the areas where his genius and i do believe he does have genius shines through is in design i mean i i'm not an expert on on sneakers or even um couture, but I, clearly he has some genius and people do copy him. Um, Kim Kardashian has admitted that her Skims line and a lot of her styling while she was married to Kanye West, uh, when he was Kanye West, was done by him. So I think it bears serious consideration. Many times these originators of Black brands and trends are copied and cannibalized by these big corporations. And that's where um, we need to make sure <clears throat> that credit is given where credit is due and money is given where money is due. I didn't know Kanye and the queen were that close though. <laughs> well, listen, I feel like Adidas still owes reparations to run DMC, but Hey, that's just me. That's just me. <laughs> Real talk. Go ahead. Ed. Well, I mean, that's right. I mean, you're, you're looking at corporate warfare, uh, warfare right? Um, you know, I, I think what we're seeing here is that yeah, Kanye can fight back. Um, where I think other branders or, or, or marketers haven't been able to, Kanye can reach millions like that, you know? And, and so the more he tweets, the more he talks about it, what he can do is damage the Adidas brand. And, and you know, that's his way to fight back. Hopefully it drives more sales for the Yeezys, makes more money. Um, you know, we'll see. Dr. Oleka. Yeah, I don't know that he can actually do damage to the Adidas brand with the way that he's going about things. Because as brilliant as Kanye has been on some other uh, topics before, I think when you focus the issue on you and, and your wife and some of the addictions that you have, if you're a major corporation, you're going to engineer the narrative that way. And you're not going to talk at all about the issue with regard to copying or, or this and that. I, I think Adidas probably knows what they're doing here. I wish that uh, Kanye would, would maybe go about this in a different way, fight these things out uh, in the court of law. That's where money is typically able to equal things out influence Kanye obviously has but if you are a supporter of adidas it's we talked about the brand conversation earlier it takes a lot more than one story from one celebrity to deface a brand like adidas i but saw a tweet buy those shoes. i saw a tweet that said slavery kanye said slavery was a choice well signing that contract was a choice too so i don't have your back bro uh alicia go ahead 
<laughs> that's a, yeah, Kanye, I just, it's always something with him. And I think some of this stuff is generational. I'm not an Adidas person. I'm a Nike girl myself. But, um, and, and I, I hope the best for him and everything that he's doing. But, you know, Kanye is this is different. You know, he's he's been able to do stuff few people have been able to do. They made a white man, uh, made a white woman, uh, I'm sorry, made a Kardashian go back to dating a white guy. So that that's historic. And I just hope that he doesn't <laughs> evolve into a man bun so that he can get into heaven. <laughs> I just say rich people's problems. Like I, nothing that comes across the board when it comes to Kanye West, I am interested in because it seems like every time he has a problem, it's right when he's about to drop something, a new record, a new line, uh, a, a new acre of land, whatever it is, it always seems to go hand in hand with some type of promotional gimmick. And so I don't trust anything Kanye says as genius as he may be though, uh, Dominique, I will respect that aspect of him because clearly anybody who can become what he is today is a genius. Um, there's been talk about who's going to replace Daniel Craig as the new James Bond. And many speculate that the role uh, will go to black actor, not Idris Elba, but John Boyega. Or I should say John Boyega disagrees that, that a black man will get it at all. So during a recent interview, I would love to see John Boyega. As, as, um, he said he's a, uh, Skeptical at the thought of any black actor becoming Bond. What do you think of this? Black actor Bond, Dominique? I'm rooting for everybody black. You know what I mean? They can shoot Nick Cannon as James Bond. I'll take any <laughs> black actor uh, over the alternative. <laughs> okay. All right. There you have it. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to see a black actor play John, James Bond, and, it, and it's really more geopolitical, uh, you know, politics. You know the 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 empire that colonized most of Africa and in the Caribbean. Um, I hate to see a black actor playing a role that, that that's defending that. Mm. Wow, you went there. Okay, oh, Doctor Oleka. Uh, I don't have a problem with somebody like John Boyega uh, being James Bond. I think Idris Elba ten years ago that was the talk uh, that he was going to be selected. I might have a problem with Nick Cannon. I don't know that he'd be that good in that role. <laughs> Alicia. <laughs> Yeah, I think if it was going to be a black James Bond, they're going to baby step and he's going to be half black. So I think it'll be like a guy, Renee. That, yeah, I definitely think it'll be the Bridgerton guy. The um, Bridgerton speaking guy. of Bridgerton, yesterday, Queen Elizabeth II passed away. And not surprisingly, people are already coming for Meghan Markle on social media. One person tweeted, Prince Harry should be ashamed to have put Queen uh, II through the Meghan Mar Markle saga in the last years of her life. If I were Elizabeth, she would not be welcome at my homegoing service. Another person tweeted, may God forgive Harry and Meghan for causing the queen so much pain for I never shall. What are your thoughts on these tweets real quickly, Alicia? Yeah, there was a, P a professor at Carnegie Mellon and she went, she went ham. She said, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. <laughs> may her pain be excruciating. This lady did not care. She pulled no punches. She had no Fs left to give. And she blew Twitter up too. And they're like, at Carnegie Mellon, is this who you have teaching there? So, I mean, uh, Meghan Markle is the least of their words. People are coming for the queen. They, they don't care. They don't Dr. Care. Oleka? I have no thoughts. I'm an American. These people don't apply to me. Ooh, Ed, I was not expecting that for Dr. Oleka. Ed? I wasn't either. I wasn't either. But, you know, in a couple of those tweets, I see words like pain and saga, you know, and, and 
Queen Elizabeth died, and they're so focused on Meghan Markle. It's just, you know, they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. That's why I don't want to see a Black James Bond. Yeah. Before we go, our brother and friend of the show, comedian David Arnold, passed away on Wednesday. He was 54 years old. Arnold is best known for headlining two Netflix comedy specials and served as showrunner for Nickelodeon's That Girl, Lele. And he was just three shows into his four-month uh, national comedy tour, Pace Yourself. Arnold was a guest on my show in 2020, and he will certainly be missed. I know the comedy world misses him as well. Alicia, you want to give us some last words, final words on David Arnold? Yeah, David was a genius. And I just looked at some old text messages that he and I had. It just lets you know that life is so short. You know, we all think we have tomorrow. We do not. So anybody you missing, anybody you love, reach out to them today because I, I just, just prayers out to David's family. I love to watch the videos of him and his two daughters and his wife. They were such a great nucleus. And it's just a sad time for everybody that knew him and loved him. Yeah. Dominique, did you want to get in? Yeah, I actually recently interviewed uh, David Arnold and really peaking in his career, his Netflix special, being one of the few black showrunners in Hollywood, being a family man and dying at the age of 54. Just prayers and condolences to his family. For sure. And we leave you with David Arnold. It's the business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed. And that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.